0: This podcast is a production of WCWP, LIU Post Public Radio. Check out our lineup of original programs, listen live, or support by visiting WCWP.org. Good evening and welcome to Review and Preview. I am your host, Tom Scavetta. Joined alongside two guests here tonight. Our special guest, James Montefusco, is back. Second time on the show. Welcome back, James. Thank you, Tom. And... Our engineer tonight is John Wasserman. John, you're a once-a-month wonder, they call you on this show. Thank you, Tom. <laughs> well, the semester at LIU post is now closed. James, you have graduated now. Yes, sir. Joining me as an alumni. And, folks, review and preview. You can listen to us on WCWPSports.org. You can call in with your thoughts, questions, comments, at our call-in number, as always, 516-299-2030. We are also podcasting on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Pocket Casts, and Pinecast. So if you can't catch our show live, you can listen to our show, download the podcast app on your phone, type in Review and Preview, as easy as that. All right, so what's breaking? What's new in sports? Well, former New York Yankee, now Seattle Mariner Robinson Cano, has been suspended 80 games for violating the MLB Joint Drug Agreement, and it was reported that he was giving ferrosamide, feroce, I believe that's the name of the drug, uh, from a licensed doctor in the Dominican Republic, and Cano regrets not being careful enough. So the punishment, James, 80 games, Cano, gone.
1: Yeah, I mean, he should have known better. He's been in the league long enough where it was like, even if you subscribe subscribed to it, he should have checked with the MLB to be like, is this drug acceptable for us to be
0: using? Um, Kind of surprising. And, you know, what really is unfortunate for Cano is that he started his career as a Yankee, hit towards the bottom of the lineup, the 8-hole, kind of like where Derek Cheater started out. And he was very productive there, and, you know, he's on the road to Cooperstown. Now with this, you know, this could be a potential speed bump in his road to Cooperstown. He may not even make it. Anymore. Uh, more info on the punishment. Cano will lose half of his $24 million annual salary, and he will be ineligible for the All-Star game and postseason should the Seattle Mariners reach for the first time since 2001. Uh, I'm pretty sure we were all about five, six years old around that time. So <laughs> that's uh, It's been a long time for Seattle, and having a guy like Cano not having him... Uh, for just about half your season, which it stinks for them. It really does, James.
1: It's going to hurt their lineup. Um, the Not ref- a very
0: deep lineup. No. You know? Not I mean, a lot of depth there.
1: He's a veteran guy, too. So he brings a lot from a veteran aspect.
0: Right, from a veteran perspective. And, you know, another thing, too, is the time... Cano is actually currently on a disabled list. Yeah. Uh, and... That his time on the disabled list will actually count towards his sus- uh, suspension. So definitely something to keep an eye on. At least, you know, it's not like it's the suspension after his stint on the disabled list. But, you know, quite frankly, right now, uh, Robinson Cano is going to be out for a very, very long time. Uh, with that being said, um, can Cano still make the Hall of Fame? Does he have a shot? He
1: could. He could. I mean, if he turns it around after this 80-game suspension, Mm. um, but it's going to leave a big mark for everybody that votes him in or however they do it, that it's saying, well, he was violating a drug agreement, and uh, do they want him in Cooperstown?
0: John, if you found out that... Now, you went to Iona for two years, as you know. If you found out that uh, a professional athlete was te- tested on drugs. Do you think they should still be valid for Hall of Fame status? Depends on the drug. Right. In my opinion, at least. Yeah. I've spoken a little pot. <laughs> nah. gonna make him slower in a game, I think, but... Speaking of um, young stars in the, in the league, uh, and the Hall of Fame, for that matter, Los Angeles Angels' Mike Trout. Now, James, you and I have watched him since he's... Started in the major leagues. Yeah. And they're saying he's already a future Hall of Famer. Can you say this at such a young age? The way he... Because I don't think so.
1: The way he's just been producing. I mean, you you don't want to think so because you don't want to jinx the young guy. Since he has so many more years left. But of what he's been showing us, it could be like, yeah, he's a Hall of Famer once he's done.
0: 26 years old. He's been in the league only since 2011, and his accomplishments, first of all, he's got over a 300 career batting average, already over 200 home runs, closing in on 600 RBIs, has nearly 1,100 career hits. This guy is 26 years old. He's three three to four years. He's four years older than me. Six-time All-Star, two-time American League MVP, five-time Silver Slugger. I mean, the list goes on and on. We could sit here for the rest of our show— and list the accomplishments of Mike Trout. That's how serious it is. At 26, look, we're just talking about Robinson Cano. At 26, people are thinking, oh, Cano is going to be a future Hall of Famer. But Mike Trout had a lot more success than Cano did at 26. And, you know, with how successful a guy is, unfortunately, they fall into that suspect, you know, suspecting category of, you know, testing them for drugs, this and that. You know, why are they hitting all these home runs? I don't know if that's the case with Mike Trout, and I don't think that is, but, you know, the guy, he's 235 pounds. He's about 6'2", so he's a big body, and he can launch that ball. And right now the Angels are succeeding, not only because of him, but Otani as well, man. He, he's just pitched. He's pitched incredible. <laughs> I was about to say, he's pitched incredible. He's hit pretty well as well. <laughs> yeah, he, he's, uh, he's hit some monsters out of the park. Today. And on top of Albert Pujols in that lineup? Deep it. team. Deep team. Yeah. Um, they can grow with, that, with yeah. that team. A lot of young guys on the Angels and a lot of young guys in the National League as well. You want to talk about a team that, you know, if you're a Mets fan, you're not happy about this. If you're a Mets fan, Nationals fan, Phillies and Marlins, the Atlanta Braves have been incredible right now. They, they really have been. And it's two guys that um, one is 20, the other is 21. And it may be the best one two punch in the National League right now. Um, with Ozzie Albis and Ronald Acuna Jr. shining as the Braves one two punch. Albis just 21 and Acuna is 20. What these guys have done in their limited time in the major leagues has been incredible. You look at Atlanta's yeah. record right now, they're 26 and 16, James. 26 and 16.
1: They're amazing. I mean, to see see that young talent, I guess finally come up for that organization is great for them, right because they got a brand new ballpark and stuff. but it's I mean it, if you look at the rest of the the east, it's it's kind of like, yeah, we gotta play them yep. now, you know, but at the same time, good for them. We'll see if they can keep it up with this long season.
0: Well, they beat the Cubs back on Tuesday, that strong eighth inning, if you remember. Acuna had that belt of that home run in their 4-1 win, and then Albies had a triple in the eighth inning of that game as well. So really, they've been incredible as of late. Uh, More news around the major leagues, and a guy you and I know very well, Bartolo Colon. They call him Big Sexy. The guy is about 5'10", 300 pounds, and he's 44 years old, and he's still pitching at such a high level. Um, but yesterday, um, he did pitch seven and two thirds scoreless innings for the Texas Rangers. But however, he's, he stopped the 102 mile per hour lineup by Juan Segura with his belly, with his
1: stomach. He's loaded. He is. (laughs) He walked off that field with a smile on his face after that too. So he, he. At 44, going on 45, he's just enjoying every minute he's doing, right, doing it and right now.
0: he doesn't like showing people that he's hurt. You know, he's been in this league for so long. You know, he played for the Angels. He pitched for the Mets. He pitched for the Yankees. He pitched for so many teams. And the success that he's had, you know, another guy like Cano from the, from the DR, and, you know, he's not the biggest guy, but a comebacker struck by a star at 102 miles per hour, and he still got the out. He's still got the out.
1: Yeah. A lot of other, other players would just
0: have collapsed. He's 15 years older than the average Major League Baseball player. Keep in mind, this guy turns 45 next week. He could be my dad, for all that we know. You know what I'm saying? He could be sure. any of our dads here in the studio. He's 45. He's been incredible. It's like, you know, in sports, when guys get older, their play starts to decline. But the older Cologne gets... His play is getting better. Yeah. It's getting better. And, oh, man, you know, I'm watching the replay right now on my Mac, and Cologne just, you know, Cologne usually a hit-or-miss guy in this league, but a great play. Um, Probably the only time that you'll see Cologne stopping one with his body (laughs) like that. Um, And, you know, he he got a little smile out of him if you watch that uh, replay on YouTube or Yahoo. But, uh yeah, so the Angels won that the Texas Rangers, excuse me. I'm used to seeing Cologne in an Angels uniform throughout his whole career. But uh yeah. Great sign for the Texas Rangers that he's okay. Yeah. Uh no injuries of note.
1: I mean, as you and me saw when he was on the Mets, he's done he's had some amazing plays. Yeah. So to see him get hit, pick up the ball and throw him out of it first, it's not the new for him. It's right. just a daily day at work
0: and you know you're looking at the league this year there's been so many injuries this year um you know both teams in new york have had their fair share of injuries the los angeles dodgers have been haunted by injuries and they've just gotten no luck with Seeger out for the year kershaw hurt rich hill has been in and out of the lineup and then justin turner who actually played his first game back tuesday night the former met justin turner yeah. um uh, you know, big red, I'd like to call him. And having a guy like Justin Turner back in the lineup for the Dodgers, with how streaky the NL West has been in, it's really, un, you know, it, it's hard to really dictate right now as to what's going to happen. Because if you look at what happened today, the Dodgers, Justin Turner had five RBIs. Justin Turner had five RBIs in today's game. The immediate impact that he brings at, you know, around a player's prime, 32, 33 years old, not only did they crush the Marlins 7 nothing today, but Turner was illustrious with his bat. You know, the it's not, he's not like your average hitter. He doesn't swing for power. He swings for hits, you know, and he's gotten a hit in each of his first three games back. I'm pretty sure he's hitting 462 through three games. Went three for four today, five RBIs. You know, he's really been incredible. He's not a guy that's going to impress you with home runs. I think 20 home runs for Turner, that's a good year for him. That's kind of exceeding the power expectation. But what he's done for this team ever since he's been back in the lineup, you know, they've been playing at Miami, but an excellent sign for Justin Turner. To be back in that Dodgers line. I'm glad he's on my fantasy team, by the way.
1: <laughs> no, that works. Not playing against him.
0: Yeah, you know, it's been uh it's been a good sign. Um, he's
1: gonna he's a solid
0: player. Yeah, and you know, he's only making twelve million a year. So it's not like he's one of those guys that, you know, stand out. Though one of those big name guys. I like him. He's a guy that he you know, he falls under the radar a little bit. Yeah. You know? Another guy, um, in that same division, the NL West, the Dodgers trying to get healthier. The Diamondbacks, however, just lost their uh, April Player of the Month, National League Player of the Month, AJ Pollock.
1: Yeah, I don't understand. They, they were on such a hot streak, and then
0: he's out four to eight weeks. You know, it's just it's alarming at how. One second, a team can be on cloud nine, and then it all comes crashing down back to reality the next minute. You know, Pollock is going to miss four to eight weeks with a thumb fracture. Uh, luckily, I've never had any of those <laughs> before. But, um, yeah, you know, it's That's just, a lot of time. Yeah. That's a lot of time at this point. Now, speaking of healthy teams, there haven't been many, but one team that's starting to get healthier, the Washington Nationals, you know, Eaton's been out of, in it, in and out of the lineup, and Murphy trying to come back soon. Still has not played a game yet this year. Um, You know, it's a good thing to start to get healthy again, especially when you have a leading C.Y. Young candidate like Max Scherzer. 7-1 oh, yeah. on the season. His ERA is super low. He's the reason why Washington has been able to come back and get, you know, 6-7 to seven games over five hundred again. And what's crazy is how good the NL East has been The Nationals are still sitting behind the Braves and the Phillies. Talk about the uplift of this division this year, James. It's It's, really been incredible.
1: It has, considering what Washington did last year. Then you look at them this year. I mean, they're only sitting behind the Atlanta and Philly. Right. But who would have thought Atlanta would be in first place and Philly right behind them? Yeah. You would think it would be Washington Mets bouncing for first place. Mets, Nationals,
0: you know, one-two punch all season long. Right now they're sitting third and fourth. I mean, we're only in mid-May, but still, you know. It's uh, it's definitely interesting to see how these teams stack up. There's always one or two teams that surprise you every year. They've been surprising me right now. Um, and then one other thing, though, that I have to say, for the Nationals at least, Matt weeders their catcher, is getting hamstring surgery. So, And this was just reported recently. So, you know, like I brought up, Nationals getting healthier. But an injury like that, you know, no Wieters, no Murphy still, no Eaton. But... And Bryce Harper hasn't been hitting too great, and part of the reason why he hasn't is because there's no complimentary guys in that lineup. There's no Murphy. Like you have Howie Kendrick, but but still, you know, it's not not it's not enough. Yeah, it's not enough. They they need these bats back in the lineup. You know, one team's mishap in the Mets was another team's treasure in the Washington Nationals in Daniel Murphy. Yes. So we'll see if the Nationals can get back on track. Look. I wouldn't be surprised if we're sitting here in October and the Nationals are back in postseason. I really wouldn't. Neither would I. Um, but Atlanta and Philly have been super impressive. The Marlins, you can basically consider them a minor league team this year. The, the Mets, who knows? Speaking of the Mets, we will talk about them right after we step aside for a quick break. You're listening to Review and Preview here on WCWPSports.org. Now back to Review and Preview on WCWPSports.org. Welcome back to Review and Preview, folks. I am your host, Tom Scavetta. Join alongside James Montefusco and John Wasserman. Jay Wass behind the board tonight playing those tunes. Behind the board, let's get to those dreadful, awful, pitiful, difficult-to-watch, make-your-stomach-turn New York Mets. I don't know where to start. Uh, it's officially one quarter into the Major League season. The Mets, who started 11-1, and one, finished quarter number one with a record of 20-19. and 19. Now, if you started the season, preseason, spring training, you're looking at the Mets, all right, 20-19, that might be a reasonable record for them. But with the way they started at eleven and one to finish that twenty and nineteen.
1: It's just depressing.
0: The Mets are nine and eighteen since their eleven and one start. That's the worst record in the National League, quite frankly. And to be honest, James, it's not looking up from here. It's really not. They got blown up by the Blue Jays yesterday, twelve to one. The demise of Zach Wheeler. Wheeler lasted what? Four innings? Gave up six runs. Sounds about right, of what he normally produces. A.J. Ramos, a fish out of the bullpen. Throwing some lollipops in there, getting blasted for three runs in two-thirds of an inning. Come on.
1: That's no work right there.
0: Where is their effort? Where is it? Is it in your back pocket? If it was, I would give, them right, give it right back to them. Oh, man. This team's tough to watch, James. 12-1 to to the Blue Jays. It is... You know, I got really excited when the Blue
1: Jays were coming to town. Granderson's back, you know, a fan favorite. We blow them up the night before. I'm like, great, we're going to beat them again. Yeah. And um, I I wasn't able to watch the game, but I'm getting the notifications on my phone. Awful. Down 6-0. 8-0. And I'm like, really, guys? Like, come on.
0: The issue is... The three, four, and five starters for the Mets right now. Zach Wheeler falls into that category, along with guys like Steven Matz and Jason Vargas. Now that Matt Harvey is gone, thank goodness, Vargas by the way. Though? Yeah, I- I- exactly. 35 years old, and he's the reason why the Mets aren't doing well right now. They brought Vargas in. He starts the season hurt. Okay. But now you're 0-3. You haven't just lost your first three starts. You've gotten mauled. And you haven't got your first three starts more than what? Three innings for some of them. The guy looks like he's throwing in little league for goodness sake. If you're going to go out and sign a pitcher, a veteran arm produce something. I mean, you see what the Mets have gotten out in the past from R.A. Dickey, Bartolo Colon. They've gotten veteran guys. They've produced that have produced, but Vargas right now is just not. He's not the answer. No. As of right now. Um, Look, Thor and DeGrom haven't even been pitching all that great, to be honest. That, and that's their one-two punch, at starting pitcher. They haven't, no. They're pitching well, but they could be pitching better. And the storyline here is what's going to happen if one of them goes down? Because you already lost Matt Harvey. You know, I like what Giselleman's doing out of the bullpen. I love Seth Lugo. But can either of those guys be a spot starter? I think so. I think they're better than what they have at three, four, five right now. I think so. You've got to give them a shot. You know, At three, four, five. Sit, I don't know, Wheeler one day and
1: put Gazelle in it. You know, you, Wheeler has not looked good. He's you,
0: really hit or miss right now.
1: You really got to change that up, and I don't care if it's going to cause ruckus in the bullpen, ruckus in the clubhouse. Change something up to where if it works, you stick with it until it doesn't work again.
0: Dave Island's got to do something. The pitching coach, Dave Island. I mean, he's sitting there watching this right now. Starters are getting blown up left and right. Um, it's it's tough to watch. And you look at the other side for the Blue Jays yesterday. J.A. Happ, sensational. Seven innings pitched. No runs. Two hits. Just two hits. Talk about how bad the Mets pitching has been. What about their offense? That's been non-existent. It's been asleep too. And Happ had ten strikeouts yesterday. Ten. Look, I, I understand. There's no Todd Frazier. There's no Cespedes. You know that hurts you a little bit. It does in the meat of your lineup. But you have talent. You have Michael Conforto, Estrada, Cabrera, Gonzalez, Adrian Gonzalez. Cabrera is the only one hitting right now. To be honest with you,
1: he is. Th- there's plenty of other guys playing at this time that could hit. Yeah. Or that could get on base, and maybe have somebody hit behind them, because to see them produce at 11 and one to see them produce nothing yesterday besides what Nimmo's home run in the which 90s. came
0: in garbage time realistically ninth inning
1: ninth inning you know it's awful. like hello guys you want to wake up like I'll buy you coffee or something anything to get you going
0: right um, yeah it's it's been awful it's really been awful for this team Former Met Curtis Granderson came in yesterday, had two went two for four, scored two runs and he walked once. He reached base three times. And look, you you know Granderson's he's hit against Zach Wheeler before. Yeah. You know, he knows he knows the ins and outs of this team, and Granderson was very successful. Um and back to Hap for a second, he also had two hits yesterday. He had more hits than the Mets could get. In seven innings. Come on. What are you doing? Where are the New York Mets right now? Not at Citi Field. No, not anywhere, if you ask me. Um, very tough team to watch. Uh, the Mets are off today, thank goodness. Hopefully that works wonders. However, you have the uh, pretty hot Diamondbacks coming into town. They've been hotter, but they're a very good baseball team, above five hundred. They'll play tomorrow. It'll be Jacob Degrom, three and zero, against Zach Godley, who's four and two on the season. But you know you're even looking at Degrom, and what we just spoke about a few moments ago, it relates back to his start on Sunday, removed after forty five pitches in the first inning against the Phillies, after a short stint on the dis- on the disabled list where he missed one start. Um, but that's man, tough.
1: It's. I saw the replays of that first inning when DeGrom was pitching. I mean, he got out of a jam. Bases loaded. But to still throw 45 pitches within one inning. One inning. Like, you think he threw four innings worth of work. Right. But that's one. Imagine if they left him in.
0: I don't know. Right. And this is the Phillies we're talking about. It's the Phillies on Mother's Day. Not a good start for Jacob DeGrom. However, he's still undefeated on the season. Um, I'm pretty sure the Mets lost that game late. I think so. I, I'm pretty sure. I remember watching that. At, um was out to eat for Mother's Day. But more signs of concern. Speaking of injuries, um, Cespedes on the DL with the hip flexor strain, the last thing this team needed right now. They need him to be healthy. Uh, you know, it's really just... You're flipping cards right now. Todd Frazier expected to be back tomorrow. Cespedes hits the DL. You know, one step forward, two steps back is the phrase I like to put it. Yeah,
1: it's <sighs> like they're trading, like they're giving each other a high, fi- like tag teaming, kind of. It's it's bad. Frazier getting off, Cespedes. All right, Cespedes, it's your turn to get on. It's right. like, really, There's, guys?
0: Yeah. You know, it's a shame.
1: And if they're overworked, I would hope they would say something to Mickey Callaway and be like, listen, I need a day off. I feel a little strained and wherever. You know, I
0: need an extra treatment or something for them to be healthier later on. And it's not like you don't have depth on this team. You look at what the Mets have. You you have five solid outfielders in my eyes. You have Ligaris and Nimmo as the backups, and then you have Jose Reyes, Wilmer Flores in the infield. Yeah, These guys can play. They can get reps. You have a former all-star catcher in Devin Meserico who they somehow got for Matt Harvey who has been studying a lot of he's been studying a lot lately which I like which I think when Ploecki comes back another guy on the DL for the Mets, mm-hmm. Plowecki had a great start to the 2018 campaign lands on the DL um uh, with the hairline injury on his finger uh which is unfortunate yeah when you're a catcher you need to have a you need to be in good shape with your hands. Um, look, Ploeki and Robles both on the 10-day DL as well, along with Cespedes and Frazier. Hopefully Frazier's back tomorrow. Ploeki should be back soon. I hope so. And the Mets called up Philip Evans, who he spent some time with the team last year. Um, I don't know how much he's going to play, but...
1: I don't know why they called him up, considering he got Flores and Reyes both sitting on the bench. Well, that... I think
0: Evans can also play the outfield. As well, oh, I think okay. he's more of like a, a utility guy. Okay.
1: Um, well, that makes sense. As right? opposed
0: to bringing up a guy like a Ty Kelly, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. I think the Mets coming up, it's not promising either. 25 of their next 27 games are against winning teams.
1: <laughs>
0: They're not even beating the teams with a sub 500 record. And 18 of those 25 games are on the road. And it's hard to obviously win on the road let alone. Yeah. But when you can't score
1: a run, you're not going to win right. in any situation, home or away. I what, don't care.
0: What's really hurt the Mets this week, at least, especially out of their bullpen, you had Jerry Blevins on uh, paternity leave, you know, yep. birth of his child. Jay Bruce actually had that, I think, this weekend as well. Um, it's tough. It's it's tough to watch right now. Uh, the saving grace is that the Diamondbacks will not have Pollock for this series. He'll be out for the next four to eight weeks with the thumb fracture, as we mentioned. But well, that's good. Beginning May 24th, it doesn't look good for the Mets. The schedule only gets harder. Yeah. And realistically, the only guy producing right now is Estrubal Cabrera, who I hope gets an All-Star bid this year. It'd be nice to see him in the All-Star game. You look at his stat line, he leads the team with a three twenty average, 48 hits, 13 doubles, you know, he can hit home runs here and there. He's consistent. And remember, this was the guy that wanted to get traded last year. Because he was going to move over to second base. Yep. And he was the only one of the core players for the Mets last year that didn't, no. you know? And my thing is this. you got to put pieces around Cabrera and the pitching staff and this whole team, this whole organization, so that you don't deal somebody like Cabrera at the deadline. Because if the Mets' stock goes down, Cabrera could easily be going off to a contending team. Oh, yeah. I wouldn't be surprised if it happened. The three keys for the Mets moving forward, the health of Ioannis Cespedes is critical. is critical. He had a great start to his season. His batting average could be up a little bit, but he's really contributed. The health of Jason Vargas as well, the consistency of him, and the catcher position.
1: Vargas just needs to step up in general. It's awful. You know, it's like we dreaded Matt Harvey having a start. I mean...
0: I dread to see Vargas have a start. I'm pretty sure I lose two IQ points every time I see Vargas on the mound. Yeah. I that's mean. that. That's how bad some of these pitchers are, John. Yeah, it's it's crazy. And Matt Harvey as well. Thank goodness he's off of this team. He is. He, you know? Him and either the
1: Wilpons or whatever was going on with yeah. him,
0: he brought
1: to the clubhouse. He brought with them on the field. I mean... Hopefully, good luck in his future and stuff, but I'm glad he's off the team. And
0: Some good news for Mets fans, though. Your town, Huntington, there's currently a line to meet up with Keith Hernandez right now. Yeah. That, my friend my friend actually right. just messaged me that.
1: I forgot that's today. Yeah. Yeah, it's at a <laughs> what, uh, uh, book review. No, a book tour we got in town. I forgot yeah. that was tonight.
0: So, to wrap up on the Mets... Twenty and nineteen, fourth place in the National League East. A gloomy defeat yesterday. How do the Mets turn this around? They first turn it around
1: by changing up three, four, five. Yeah, I. Don't I agree care completely. What anybody else says if three, 4 5 hasn't haven't been producing at all. No, they haven't. You throw Gazelman in for Wheeler one game. You throw Lugo in for Matt or Vargas, mm-hmm. and you see what kind of they produce.
0: Look, I think the one through five for the Mets, it needs to be Conforto. Cespedes is number two. Mm-hmm. Cabrera at number three. Bruce at cleanup, and then Todd Frazier at five. Yeah. I think that's what the order needs to be.
1: And that's lineup. And-,
0: and you have Gonzalez at six. And whenever Plowecki comes back, he'll seven. be Seventh. Rosario hits 8th or ninth, whatever they want to do with the pitching spot. Sometimes they'll use the pitcher 8th. That's your lineup right there. Yeah. That's what they started with this season. And that's what got them to 11-1. and one. Right, and they don't have that right now. They, no. don't, they don't have Ploiecki, Frazier, or Cespedes. And that's what's
1: making that tailspin. Remember,
0: they didn't have Conforto at the start of the season. They started off with Nimmo, but still, having Conforto back is huge. They need other guys around him so that Conforto... Remember, Conforto was an all-star last year. He was. So if he's going to get back to that level... They need a supporting cast on this team. On that note, enough on the Mets. We're going to take another quick break. When we come back, it's the Bronx Bombers, the New York Yankees, first place New York Yankees. You're listening to Review and Preview here on WCWPSports.org. Sports.org. Welcome back to Review and Preview. I am your host, Tom Scavetta, joined alongside my special guest tonight, James Montefusco, and Thanks. the one-man wonder, JWAS John Wasserman. Reminder, folks, you can call in with your questions, thoughts, comments. Please do at our call-in number, 516-299-2030. Take part in our live show. Join the action. We're also podcasting as well, so if you can't catch our show tonight live, listen to our podcast, Pinecast, Apple Podcasts, iTunes, Google Play, pocket casts that will be up john you're also doing a podcast too right take no sh episode four is up check us out on wcwp itunes that's right so get a little plug in there for your podcast as well a lot of podcasts here at the station so listen to our podcast join us it'll be a good listen all right the yankees good old yankees yeah good old yankees what can I say? They've been phenomenal. After starting 8-8, eight and eight, they've been the best team in the Major League. And overall, they're getting healthy. They have not reached their full potential yet. This is a scary team. You know, I talked on the show last week with Kyle Russo, who's not here tonight, uh, on how well the Yankees have been playing. And it's, quite frankly, it's revolved around Aaron Judge and yeah. their competent starting pitching.
1: It has Aaron Judge has, uh, I think, has found his groove on when to swing and when not to swing. He has. As, uh, as people have seen, him not swinging at those pitches where he can't reach.
0: Right, those tough sli- sliders. Yep. He's been laying off those pitches, and he's been crushing everything else. Last year as a rookie, well, his first full season as a major leaguer, he went fishing for a lot of those pitches. This year, he's not. He's changed his hitting philosophy. He's still striking out a lot, but he has more walks than he does hits right now. Yeah. So he's getting on base. He's hurting you one way or another. He's laying off pitches. And that's what a successful Major League Baseball player does. Uh kudos to judgment. He's the only player in the lineup hitting over three hundred. You gotta love what you're seeing right now. Eleven home runs, thirty-five ribbies, three oh seven average, thirty-six walks. And he leads the Yankees in basically all the hitting categories. Hits, runs, homers, RBIs, walks, batting average, slugging percentage, you name it. Um, on base plus slugging. It's incredible.
1: I think he found his groove. He has. I think he watched, or I would hope he watched tape from last year. Yeah. And saw, was I really swinging at those pitches 20 feet outside of the strike zone? I yeah. mean, I'm, I'm exaggerating. He's watching a lot of tape. But... I hope you watched a lot of tape and with the pitching uh sorry, batting coach. Yeah. Um at least they were like, "Listen, this yep. is what you're swinging at. Got to change it. Yep. Otherwise, you aren't going to be known as the great Aaron Judge like you were last year when right. he was hitting those Avoiding bombs. Avoiding
0: that uh that sophomore slump, they yes. call it. And the Yankees 28 and 12 that Still does stand for the best record in the major leagues. They don't have the most wins. The Red Sox do. But the Yankees have two less losses. There are two losses ahead of them in the loss column. One behind in the win. So, therefore, they're half a game ahead. Makes yep. sense. And the Yankees are they're playing very well, not just at home, but on the road. Their road record is well over 500. they They're 10 and 10-5 on the road. They've won eight out of their last ten. Um, now, to talk about their last game, which was on Tuesday, they got rained out last night. On Tuesday, the game ended in the sixth inning against the Washington Nationals. That game was just announced. It was postponed. It will be moved up to June 18th. And it will be at Yankee Stadium, but it will be a home game for the Nationals.
1: Yes. uh, I forget where I read that. Um,
0: Interesting, you know. Yeah. It's kind of interesting.
1: I guess the way maybe how they have everything else set up within MLB um, so, Scheduling
0: issues, yeah, conflicts and stuff. It makes sense.
1: Yeah, so, like, Washington will obviously bat last since it's technically right. a home game for them.
0: And it looks like they're going to start that game in the bottom of the sixth inning. Now, typically, when it's rating, they'll call it after five, but since the game is tied, they couldn't call it, so they couldn't decide on a winner of the game. Yeah. Thanks to Tyler Austin, who had an RBI in the fifth inning that... Uh, really tied the game up. Speaking of Tyler Austin, he's among the top rookies this year. You look at his stats, six homers, 19 RBIs. He's producing. I think the Yankees have found potentially their future first baseman. Yeah. You know, they tried uh, platooning him with Neil Walker there. Walker, not really. uh, He's not a first baseman. He's not your average first baseman. He's a traditional second baseman. So having Austin there, I think, is where he needs to stay and right now it's helping the Yankees' success. It's through the roof. They've been winning games left and right, you know. They won 18 out of 19. So they're they're doing something right. They're doing something right. Something's clicking in that yeah. place for them. Also on Tuesday, uh Giancarlo Stanton had his 1000th career hit. Yes. In the Major Leagues. So a really good sign.
1: Congrats to him.
0: Couldn't do it as nearly as quick as Mike Trout did. <laughs> But um, yeah, no. Stanton trying to wake up. Sanchez trying to wake up to compliment and Judge. Didi has been in an awful slump right now. Let's talk about that for a little bit. Little flashbacks of how great of a month he had in April. May has not been his friend. No, no. May has not gone well. And to talk about Didi a little bit, he's won for his last thirty-eight. And. He's been dropped in the lineup by Boone to the number five spot. Usually he'll hit third, I think. I think he was hitting third for quite some time. Then they put Stanton fourth. I believe so. And then Sanchez fifth. Um, Yeah, he's been hitting a lot more ground balls as of late. And he's had some good contact with his bat the last couple of games, but, you know, he's just, he has not been lucky. You know, sometimes luck is involved in it. When you're on a hot streak, you know. Luck is definitely involved with how hot he started off April. He was the AL Player of the Month in April. Oh, yeah. Easy. We knew he was going to cool off a little bit, but I don't think anybody in the major leagues or Yankees fans at least, or even us, would think he would cool off this much. He's not even cool. He's ice cold.
1: Yeah, he went from hot to hot to is he – he's even in the lineup still. He's at rock
0: bottom right now, you know. And it's a shame because he's a great guy, you know. Killing my fantasy team, by the way.
1: He's a young player, <sighs> isn't he?
0: Yeah, he's uh he's twenty eight years old. He's actually from the ne- the Netherlands. Okay. So uh, yeah, and you know he's only making about two and a half million a year. So again, under the radar guy. His batting average still at two fifty five. That's not awful. No. But considering it was well over three hundred. So, you know, we'll, we'll see. I think D.D. will uh, start producing again at some point, and that's what's crazy. The Yankees are still faring out well for themselves, and a lot of these guys aren't producing. You know, Stanton is just coming into his own. Sanchez and D.D. have been quiet. You always have Gardner along with Judge, but Aaron Hicks has not been hitting at all. He's barely over 200.
1: It's mostly Judge probably carrying this team. Yeah, As of in May, I mean, D.D. just was phenomenal in crazy. April. I mean, for all we know... They could, they could come back. D.D. could just have a breakout game within the next four days. Yeah. And he could be back where he was in April. That's right. So maybe the time off between the, the early ending of the Washington game, mm-hmm. the rain out yesterday of Washington, I believe they're off tonight, I want to say. Yes. Being off tonight, it may just help him out to regroup either – a mindset thing or just a physical thing
0: yeah sometimes it plays with your confidence a little bit for sure i think another thing too is um gregorius hitting fifth maybe that'll help him out a little bit you know he'll see some better pitches um look i think the simple if you want to give a simple explanation to dd slump you know he's had an over 13 stretched one for 41 um He believes he's not getting pitched to any differently. He just said he's been hitting the ball hard and just has little to show for it. He's literally just not getting hits, you know? He's hitting
1: it to the wrong places.
0: Yeah, a few times he's gotten robbed. So, you know, he's not happy with himself. I hope he gets back on track for the sake of him, for the sake of the Yankees, for the sake of the league. But the reason why the Yankees have won 19 of their last 22, it's the starting pitching. Hands down, yeah. it's the starting pitching. You look at this team, Luis Severino looks like a clear C.Y. Young frontrunner right now, 6-1 and one record, 70 strikeouts on the season. Tanaka, who was a big question mark coming in, he's 4-2, and two, he's pitched well. Yep. Sabathia, since returning from the DL, he's been incredible. He'll actually be pitching when the Yankees go to Kansas City to play the Royals tomorrow night. And the schedule's getting easier. The Royals are thirteen and thirty. The Yankees should easily sweep them, to be honest. Cece looking for his two hundred fiftieth career win actually tomorrow night. Mm-hmm. And since his return from the DL, he's two and 1.65 earned run average.
1: Yeah, seeing you know, seeing the pitching staff when after spring training and during spring training, they're like a lot of us are thinking that their pitching staff won't be the best. Right. But You look at them now, I mean.
0: It's been something to watch. Yeah. sure has. It
1: has. Even though they're going to Kansas City, which is a big outfield. Right. It could help D.D.
0: Potential hitters ballpark, you know. It's definitely something that could help them moving forward.
1: It could help a lot of people on that team.
0: Another guy out of the starters for the Yankees who I've really liked is uh, Jordan Jordan Montgomery. You know, he's 2-0, and his ERA is under 4, you know, he's just 25 years old. And Monty, they like to call him, He's you know, he's started just six games. He's looked pretty okay. You know, he can be a solid guy that the Yankees can lean on at the back end of their rotation. He's yep. a guy that they need. And as of right now, it's working. How are the Yankees going to get better? It's not the starting pitching. It's Sanchez. It's the health, the scheduling. You know, they just got Clint Frazier back, just got recalled. They sent David Hale down. Clint Frazier is back up. That team... Brandon Drury? Off the DL now? That team, within the next few months or
1: next few weeks, if they're, since you're saying their schedule's been getting easier, they could easily just forget Boston.
0: Yeah, you know, it's... In the dust and be like... Well, I think it's going to be a race till the very end. Uh Greg Bird is supposed to return, possibly in late May. Okay. Uh, Jacoby Ellsbury, we're, we're still not sure. He's on the 60-day DL. Um, So, yeah, definitely something that, you know, you want to look out for. As Montgomery currently on the DL as well, he was placed back on May 2nd, 10-day DL. Um, but overall, if Bird comes back, Ellsbury... You got Drury and Frazier back. The Yankees are getting healthier. This is a sign of concern. You know, a lot of their bench players can start on other teams. It's a very deep team. Yeah. You know, like I've mentioned, they're kind of like the New England Patriots of baseball. They're consistent. They're competing every year, not in like uh, you know social front office ways, but in terms of production. Yeah. They in terms produce. of production. And speaking of production for the Yankees, fun fact: twenty years ago today, David Wells threw a perfect game. On May seventeenth, nineteen ninety-eight, for the New York Yankees. So, kudos to him on his twenty yep. on his twentieth anniversary for that perfect game. And the Yankees, looking ahead, uh, likely they'll sweep the Charges. Royals this weekend. And a look at them after the first quarter, uh, they've been hot. You know, their only competition right now is really the the Red Sox, and their division is not bad either. You know, no, ter- Toronto's sorry. lurking around five hundred. You know, Baltimore and Tampa Bay, eh, you know, they're falling off a little bit. But, you know, you have three competitive teams right now, but it's going to come down to the Yankees and the Red Sox. Yeah, I'm
1: looking at their schedule right now. And after Kansas City, they go to Texas. Yeah. I mean, Texas is playing well, um, so that may give them some
0: trouble. Then they go to L.A. for the Angels. Schedule gets pretty easy for these Yankees.
1: And then late May is Houston. So you got a rematch of last year.
0: Some competitive games, yeah. Yeah,
1: and then they're at Baltimore. Yeah. So I'm looking at this, and I mean, beginning of June, they got three games
0: against the Mets. Keichel has looked awful for Houston, by the way. Yeah. This team can easily just... They can rummage through their schedule, and they haven't reached their full potential yet. And and that's one thing that's uh, alarming to me as, you know, a fan of baseball. This team could potentially run away... With the, with the league this year, with the players that they have in the lineup, the only thing stopping them really is injuries. Yeah. And if
1: uh, say if nobody gets injured from here on out. Yeah. And they get everybody back healthy. Basically the, a
0: lock for postseason. Yeah. My only concern is everyone's expecting Sanchez, Stanton, Dede to come out of these slumps. What if they don't? You know, just to play devil's advocate here for a minute, what if they don't come out of these slumps? What if they stay cold? What if Judge is the only guy producing? You know the starting pitching can only get you so far. You know you saw with the Mets list uh, three years ago with the World Series, yeah. the starting pitching got them there. Will the Yankees be bossing teams around with their offense and defense, or will it be their pitching that gets them into the postseason? Because you look at the bullpen too. Chapman has been great. Uh, you hope Betances can come back. I like what David Robertson has been doing a lot. Chad Green has been a re- reliable guy. You hope Domingo Herman can come into his own a little bit, A.J. Cole. Patances, a wild card, I think.
1: We'll see. I mean, you could look at this team and be like, if they go ice cold, like if their lineup goes cold, they can withstand that hit that if they do to their win-loss record right now. Mm -hmm. But if they continue, like you were saying, play devil's advocate, and only if they're only scoring one one, – One run. Right. There may be an issue. We'll see. But it that's a team to watch out within the next month and a half.
0: A very scary baseball team. On that note, we're gonna step aside for another break. When we come back, we will review and preview a couple of the big games yesterday and coming up tonight. You're listening to review and preview here on WCWP Sports.org. Welcome back to Review and Preview, folks. I am your host, Tom Scavetta. Joined alongside James Montefusco, joining me to my left, John Wasserman to my right. Great tunes, as always, John. Always got to uh, make those efficient. Now, for the rest of this hour, we're going to review and preview some of the big games, and then at the top of the hour, just about five minutes away, we're going to have our team of the week. So, quickly, around the horn, the Atlanta Braves they beat the chicago cubs yesterday 4 to 1 albis acuna freeman and marcakis to be honest i think that's the best 1 to 4 in the national league hitters 1 through 4 yeah you have two guys that are barely 21 not even then you have freeman who has just exploded and then marcakis who's been one of the best hitters in the national league what marcakis has done has been incredible uh, tied first in the in the major league with 56 hits. So, definitely uh something of note. And Atlanta and Chicago, they will play again tonight at 7:35 p.m. The Braves 10 games over 500, one of the hottest teams in the league. I don't, what what do you think of those two guys Albies and Acuña? They they've really been great.
1: They've been great. They're they're so young. They got they got potential. I mean, where they're playing, the Atlanta, to me, I don't think that's a very big media central as, say, New York, L.A. Right. You know, so uh, right now I'm, they're getting the limelight because they're producing, mm-hmm. but I don't think they have big local media stations coming after them. Mm-hmm. Unlike, like, if they were in, playing for the Mets or Yankees, they may be still producing the same way or not. Yeah. Um, but I give hats off to both of them for able to come in, kind of shine, bring this team up to first place sure. along with Freeman yeah. and Mark um, And I like to see what the rest of the season holds for both of them and their career. Right. So. so.
0: Very young guys, very talented, and a very scary Atlanta Braves team that has not made the postseason in quite some time now. So, twenty eighteen for the Braves so far, so good. Yeah. Next game to talk about: the Astros beat the Angels two nothing. Justin Verlander is incredible. He's the ace of the he's the ace of the Astros. He's the ace of the league, quite frankly. Uh, nine shutout innings, no runs, five hits, seven strikeouts. His ERA is just over one, barely. A month and a half into the season. I'm very, you know, I just embrace him on the mound. He's incredible. He has great stuff. His off-speed pitches, full hitters all the time. I love what he brings to the table. And, you know, Ver, Verlander, he's 35 now. He's been a gem in this league for quite some time. You know His days with the Detroit Tigers, you know, he was very successful there. And bringing that talent over to Houston now in a rotation, even though Keiko has has struggled, you got to think that Keiko will pick it up at some point along with Justin Verlander. Hope finds his form and McCullers. So, definitely something to look out for is Houston, the defending World Series champions. And, you know, you have the Yankees, you have the Sox, but Houston, look out. Yeah. Look out, major leagues. Um, some games, actually, one game that was final today that we talked about earlier, the Dodgers beat the Marlins 7 nothing. And interesting fact about this game, we talk about Justin Turner getting the five RBIs. Um, career game for him. Career high tying five RBIs. Kenta Maeda, the pitcher, twirled eight shutout frames and struck out eight during a 7 nothing win. So the pitching as well, you talk about the Dodgers missing guys like Kershaw, Rich Hill, Well, they may have found something in Maida. Mada, he threw eight innings of two-hit ball, did not issue a walk with eight strikeouts. So the Dodgers today looked like the team that pushed the 2017 World Series to seven games.
1: Yeah, but I hate to say this, they were playing Miami. They were. You know, a team that you would look at is all minor league
0: players very young inexperienced team they lost Ozuna Stanton they, they lost a lot of guys in the offseason but made mechanics looked really good today you know 96 pitch outing he was rushing his delivery a little bit so and he, he seemed to be putting more weight on his leg when he was pitching today yeah. so um, he's looked really good and the Dodgers trying to get back on track I'm sure
1: Puig is uh, going to be getting back on track soon. Yassiel Puig, yeah. Yeah, Puig, I'm sorry. Uh, hopefully he gets back on track for that team as well.
0: And there's really no juggernaut in the NL West right now. Yeah, you, know, you look at the teams, the Diamondbacks, yeah, they're in first place. But you, know, you got the Rockies right behind. The Dodgers still eight games out. But if they start getting healthy and they start getting guys back, don't count them out either. Um,
1: I feel like we can never count them out,
0: no, even if they start off bad. yep some of tonight's games we're gonna preview the red sox twenty nine and fourteen they take on the thirteen and twenty nine Baltimore orioles that is a makeup game that um was rained out April sixteenth
1: was that when we got all that rain
0: throughout the league, yep, in the beginning of the season April showers bring may. may flowers. Not the case here in uh, Long Island, Queens, Westchester area the last few days. (laughs) But um, another game, the Phillies, very impressive. Eight games over five hundred, taking on the 23-win St. Louis Cardinals tonight. That should be a great game. Cubs and Braves, like we discussed, in an NL West tilt. The Colorado Rockies, San Francisco Giants, the second- and third-place teams in the NL West. And despite Cueto hitting the 60-day DL for the Giants, they're hanging in there. They're at five they They're a good home team, but they have not played well as of late. You know, getting two out of three against the Reds, but prior to that not looking too impressive. Um, The Phillies really gave it to them. They got swept by the Phillies. Then they lost two out of three to the Pirates. So San Francisco trying to get back on track.
1: Pirates are team, you'd think they would uh, take two out of three with San Francisco.
0: Yeah. So, with that being said, that'll wrap up our one hour of baseball. James, one hour down, one hour to go. All right. All right. All right, guys. Put your seatbelts on. It's time for team of the week. With that being said, James, who is your team of the week? It's a tough choice. Um, I'm gonna go Atlanta Braves. Really?
1: Yeah. I it was a, either Atlanta or Philly. They've been both in my eyes amazing. Yeah. To watch, to see them obviously those two young players at Atlanta, um, two teams unexpected to come up, be first and second in a division that everybody was thinking was going to be run by the Mets in Washington. Um so I have to go with the Atlanta Braves. A little surprising in my end. You'd never think
0: that, but you know what? We'll see. And young pitchers like lefty Sean Newcomb, just twenty-four years old. He's a four and one record, you know, two point five earned run average. He's pitched very well. And McCarthy has pitched well. Brandon McCarthy. He's a little bit older. He's thirty-four, but you know he's pitched well too. Out of the nine starts that he's made, four and two. Their rotation, not again. This is not a team with a lot of big name guys outside of Freddie Freeman and Nick Markakis. They're making it work, though. They are, and they're winning games. That's all that matters. They're, I, you know. I think
1: that's what the plus side is for that team. They only got really two big names there, aren't drawing a lot of attention. Yep. Can keep under the media radar per se. Yep. And just start beating everybody until. People start
0: knowing who these small names are. And Albies, you know, you want to talk about an Albies guy. Just 21 years old, 13 homers, 31 ribbies, 52 hits. That's amongst the top of National League leaders. And then Nick Marcakis tied for the league lead in hits. Yeah. He's been incredible, hitting well over 300, Marcakis, 333 average. You actually took my team of the week. You know that? Sorry. It's actually what I had written down, but I have one to counteract that, okay. and that's going to be the Washington Nationals, another NL East team. Unfortunately, I have to go with the Nationals. Um, you know, it's just incredible what they've been able to do with all these guys out—Murphy out, Eaton out. The Nationals are a team right now that are a force to be reckoned with. They've been winning ball games, and uh, we talked about their the injury to their catcher. But it all starts with Max Scherzer for me. He's been incredible. If there's a guy to get a 21 strikeout game in the major leagues, it, it, it would be him. It's him. It would be him.
1: You know the, the two matchup I would like to see? Verlander and Scherzer.
0: Oh, yeah. That would be a good game. Hands down the best two pitchers in, in the league. And man, what manager Dave Martinez has been able to do. Yeah, Dave Martinez. Who is that? You know? <laughs> another young. Right.
1: Or another new manager.
0: Right. Well, he's in his early fifties, and the Nationals taking on the Yankees really going toe to toe with the Yankees. Um, Nationals likely in hunt for a catcher, but what they've been able to do has been impressive, especially with Bryce Harper, who has not been too great right now. He really hasn't. He's been quiet. Um, yeah, you know it sets up a series with the, with the Dodgers coming up. Um, Howie Kendrick has played great, leads the team with forty five hits um Harper, you know, he's Bryce Harper. Matt Adams at first base has been really productive. And don't forget about Trey Turner. You know, Trey Turner has 44 hits. It's a guy who's been swinging the bat pretty well. Howie Kendrick hitting over 300. You know, I li- I like what they've done with their bullpen. You have three incredible starters with Scherzer, Strasburg, and Gio Gonzalez. Who would have you know, thought him? Gio Gonzalez is really the X factor. The fact that he's been able to produce and play well. Hitters have barely been able to hit off of Scherzer. They have not had much success against Strasburg or Rourke. And then you add Gonzalez to that mix, you know?
1: Yeah. It's, uh, and as what we saw earlier in the season when the Mets played the Nationals. We didn't see Scherzer. Right. You know, we didn't see some of the dominant guys that could ultimately have a no-hitter.
0: And don't forget about their closer, Sean Doolittle. The I lefty, Sean Doolittle, his ERA is super low. And whenever you're at Nationals Park, you hear the fans chanting, do in the ninth inning, that is Sean Doolittle. Nationals are my team of the week. you know, you got two Mets fans sitting here behind the mics, and we both picked the Nationals and the Braves as our team of the week. That's not good. No, it's kind of sad. Mets got to pick it up. So we're going to keep it here, and we're going to transition into basketball now. And, James, you know, I've got to say a couple things. Before we get to LeBron and the conference finals, the NBA draft lottery, just a couple nights ago. Man, those Knicks have no luck. Zero. Zero. None whatsoever. A new coach with Fisdale, great. You know, some new blood. Horn- Hornacek, not much success, but, man, it's been really tough for them. They will select ninth. Zero luck in that draft lottery. That's 34 years, according to John Schmelk without moving up. So basically what that means is they've had the ninth worst record in the NBA. They have not moved up. They mm-hmm. pick ninth or lower. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So that um very unfortunate for this team. But, you know, there's a lot of guys out there that may fall to them, like a Miles Bridges from Michigan State, you know, a combo guy, guard slash forward. Speaking of which, there's a lot of big guys in the draft this year that teams should be looking at. You know, you look at a guy like DeAndre Ayton out of Arizona, a guy that should go to either Phoenix or Sacramento. Marvin Bagley at Duke. You know, a lot of big guys in this draft this year that if you don't have a big man, you're gonna get one in this year's draft. Oh yeah,
1: and what we saw from March Madness, there's a lot of good guys out there. Yeah, that even if they're not in the top, don't get picked within the top five, the Knicks could pick up. Or potentially maybe make a move
0: yeah. for the year of the big man, they like to call it. They it is the year of the big man this year. Uh Mbamba from Texas, the freshman, he looked incredible this season. Wendell Carter at a Duke as well, under the radar guy who played with Bagley, who yeah. may fall to a guy like the Knicks. We'll see. Um Yeah, so I'm looking forward to it in Brooklyn. Uh, About a year away from getting their draft picks back, but they will have a pick in each of the first two rounds this season. Okay. Uh, After a couple of trades at the at the deadline, you know I like what they're doing, trying to get back on track. And one guy who really sticks out to me, we got to talk about. uh, We know Eiten and Bagley are the top two bigs, but Luka Doncic, just 19 years old, um, definitely going top five. He may be a top two, top three pick. Um, he's a Slovenian professional basketball player, 19 years old, and according to this report, I mean he's the typical Euro guy you know he's six six, he's tall, right and he's making a case to be one of the two favorites to potentially be the number one pick. He's top five hands down. he's probably top three, but potentially being number one and possibly the best European prospect ever. So, you know, a team like the Suns or the Kings or even Atlanta, they could use a guy like him. They could definitely use a guy that can change the tempo up a little bit. And he's a guy that can most certainly fit in uh, the new NBA, we like to call it. Um, you know, he's played for Real Madrid since 2015, since he was 16 years old. So he's
1: played in some big cities, right? Yeah. So, which is totally fine.
0: Definitely, I'm looking forward to this year's NBA draft for sure. Um, so we talked about the Knicks; they'll pick ninth. Let's let's go through one through ten. Phoenix will pick first. Sacramento will go second. Atlanta, the number three pick, and Atlanta. You know how they uh, parted ways with Mike Budenhalzer He will he will be the new coach of the Milwaukee Bucks, signing mm-hmm. a four year agreement. And very recent news, that is, and I think Budenholzer, there's a lot of talent on Milwaukee. You look at guys like Giannis Antetokounmpo, Malcolm Brogdon, Thon Maker, a lot of young guys on this team, Chris Middleton for that matter, and Mike Budenholzer named the new head coach. I think a good environment change for him and GM John Horse is thrilled to have him because he had a lot of success at Atlanta. Remember, they were the number one seed a few years ago the Atlanta Hawks when they had all their pieces still toge- together like Al Horford Jeff T Kyle Korver those guys mm. Damari Carroll um, so yeah and the Bucks actually officially just announced that a couple hours ago that they would be hiring him so good mm. for good for Milwaukee you know Milwaukee they fired Jason Kidd early this season they had an interim head coach they still made the playoffs as the number seven seed you know when you when you fire your head coach like that nobody and,
1: thinks you're making the
0: playoffs right so, and there's still contemplation as to why the Bucks fired Jason Kidd, but great to have Bootenholzer in Milwaukee. As Memphis will get back to the first picks, one, two, three will be Phoenix, Sacramento, Atlanta. Memphis will pick fourth, really a down year. You know, not much there besides Conley and Gasol. Right now, Marcus on the older side. Uh, on, the, on the north side of 30 now. Dallas picking fifth. Der coming back. Dallas, you know, you have great young talent. Dennis Smith Jr. competing in the dunk contest this year for the Mavericks. Young, youthful point guard, just 20 years old. I think Dallas can use a little more in their front court. They could probably build a team around him if they really wanted to. The Orlando Magic will pick sixth. Now I like what the Magic have in their front court with Vukovic and Aaron Gordon, but again, there's nothing there in that back court. You know, you have D.J. Augustine starting at point guard. You know, maybe a guy like Trey Young uh, from the Sooners, who had mm-hmm. an incredible and uh, incredible season. As the Sooners did not get out of the first round of the NCAA tournament, they were knocked out by Rhode Island. So. But, yeah, he may fall to sixth. The Bulls pick seventh. Bulls really pick the gym in Laurie and trying to rebuild this team around Fred Hoiberg. Um, Chicago, a lot of young talented guys. You see Denzel Valentine, Bobby Portis, Jerry and Grant, Chris Dunn. A lot of young, youthful guys since they shipped uh, Jimmy Butler to Minnesota to the mm-hmm. Timberwolves to join his former head coach for Chicago, uh, Tom Thibodeau. Cleveland will pick 8th. That pick is from Brooklyn via Boston. So that was part of that awful trade Brooklyn made with Boston a few years back, trading all their picks away to get guys like Paul Pierce, Kevin Garnett. The Knicks will pick ninth, And Philadelphia will pick 10th. That is from L.A. via Phoenix. So I don't know, James. I'm looking at the NBA draft, and I'm looking at a lot of young talent. But there's one guy that I want to talk about before we go to break here, uh, and I'll talk on the show a little bit more about the draft when we get closer, as that's not until late June when the NBA Finals are over. But the MVP of this year's Final Four National Championship game, Dante DiVincenzo, (laughs) a redshirt sophomore. He's amazing. Yeah, he's really been great. And he declared for the NBA draft. You know, I think he should go back to Villanova. I think he'll be the star of that team next year if he comes back. But he did not hire an agent. So he has the opportunity to return to Villanova if he does not get selected. He does. But he does plan on playing in the NBA draft combine. Okay. Had 31 points in the national championship game. Look, this guy's five. He's a shooter. He's very athletic as well. He can slam the ball he can make threes he can do a not lot. not the team. best free throw shooter but
1: well i'm sure being in the nba they i don't think di
0: vincenzo would get picked until early second round earliest um you know his stock is pretty high right now but the question is will his stock be this high again i'm not sure you know he can defend multiple positions i see him as a potential kirk heinrich type of player a lot of NBA prospects under head coach, Jay, Jay Wright at Villanova, winning two national championships in the last three years. But if you ask me, D. Vincenzo's got to return to school. He has to.
1: He does. unless he's due, Unless since he never hired an agent, he's testing the waters. Right. It's it, a smart move not to hire an agent. You know, if he's already saying, I'm coming back if I don't get into the draft. Right, keep your options open. Keep the options yeah. open. Be like, you know— I don't know what his major is or where he wants to go with yeah. school, but he could ultimately be like, you know what? If I don't get picked in the first or second round, I'll withdraw myself, per se, and I'll go back to school, Right. destroy the court at Nova again, and then sign an agent and probably get picked up by a good team.
0: Yeah, look, if he comes back, I think Nova has great odds to make the final four again you know i have eric paschal coming back for a senior season you have a couple veteran guys coming back for the wildcats so we'll see what happens in the nba draft see if vincenzo stays or goes ayton bagley Doncic, really trey young star-studded draft bomba as well wendell carter coming out but that is still a little bit over a month away and we're going to step aside for a quick break. Now, when we come back, James, mm-hmm. we are going to talk about the Eastern Conference Finals and the Western Conference Finals. Can LeBron get back to the finals? Find out what the experts think here on Review and Preview on WCWPSports.org. Welcome back to Review and Preview, folks. I am Most your host, Tom Center. Scavetta. Join alongside James Montefusco and John Wasserman behind the board. So, it's currently 620, just about. Let's get to the Eastern Conference and Western Conference Finals. Reminder, call in. Thoughts, questions, comments, phone lines are still open for another 20-25 minutes. 516-299-2030 is the number. Now, the Eastern Conference Finals, it's been all Boston so far. It's been all Boston without Gordon Hayward, without Kyrie Irving. A couple role players hurt as well. You know, you think injuries for Boston. It's not just Irving and Hayward. Shane Larkin is out. And Daniel Feist is out as well. A productive center off the bench. Productive guy in their front court that they don't have as well. So Boston playing a little small ball right now. Yeah. Only three bigs they really use are Horford, Baines, and Marcus Morris. So, who's more of a stretch four. When You're looking at the Celtics right now. They've dominated the first two games of the series. Let's recap game one. They won They blew out Cleveland, 108-83. to They held LeBron to just 15 points and Cleveland to just 15% behind the three-point arc, a team that lives and dies by the three right now. You look besides LeBron James, it's all shooters. Kevin Love, J.R. Smith, Kyle Korver, George Hill, Rodney Hood, they're all shooters on this team. That's all they are. You know, it's just they don't have an offensive spark Besides LeBron James, he's carrying this team right now, and he's carried almost all, every team he's been on. Yeah, and the trade at the deadline definitely hurt them. Um, you know, Tristan Thompson's telling guys, you know, you got to step up. Thompson, a great rebounder for this team, actually got a little got into a little jawing match with Marcus Morris in Game Two. Larry Nance Jr. Hasn't really been productive off the bench, a guy they got at the, at the deadline. Um, game two, very similar story. Celtics win 107-94, so they take the first two home games. I really think Cleveland needed to win one of those first two games to have a chance.
1: Yeah, I do too. Um, even though you got LeBron James on your team, right? you should have taken at least one of them. Yeah. Because now the Celtics are walking into Cleveland and it's like we're up to nothing. Yep. We got the confidence, even though LeBron's home, Cavs are home. Things could go things could get uglier. Yeah.
0: During t- during yeah, tomorrow's game. Things could get much worse. No, they don't play until Saturday. Sat- okay, Saturday's game. But my thing is this game two 107-94 win for the Celtics. Again, uh, sizable, much, very sizable margin, comfortable margin for them to win. LeBron takes a shot to the jaw in that game, and he played through it. Had an incredible game, too. But once LeBron took that shot to the jaw, the Celtics outscored Cleveland 71-47. They nearly doubled them in the scoring tally. So... It just goes to show that without LeBron, this team can't compete, especially with a team like Boston who's missing their two stars. Very concerning. For me. And that's credit to guys like Terry Rozier, Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum stepping up. Tatum, one of the top three candidates for Rookie of the Year. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, Terry Rozier, he's putting up Kyrie Irving-like numbers right now. He is. It's the big stage, and he wants to shine. Yeah, he's spreading the ball around, spreading the wealth. That's exactly what you got to do. And... You're looking at Cleveland in Game 2. Yeah, LeBron forty had a triple-double, 42 points, 10 rebounds, 12 assists, but he was just 5-10 of 10 from the free-throw line. That hurt Cleveland as well, their free-throw shooting. Yeah. Boston has been remarkable. Cleveland has been okay. And this leads me to ask you this. Can LeBron get back to the finals? He could. I mean... He's been in the finals every year for the last five, six years he, now. He has. It wouldn't...
1: It wouldn't surprise me if since they're home for the next two games, if... If they tie it up. If they tie it up. Might happen. You know, or they take one of the two and they yep. go back to Boston. Mm-hmm. Um, but if it doesn't happen that he makes it to the finals for the past, what, five years, you said? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it could be either good for the NBA to see the Celtics in as a totally different team, or it could be bad because everybody has their money
0: on LeBron James and the Cavs. But would it be good for the NBA to not have Cleveland in the finals? I think ratings would go down substantially because everyone's eyes are on LeBron James. You know, He's the guy that has to be there in the finals every year, the star of the league for the longest time. Uh, it could go down, um, which I wouldn't be surprised of if it does.
1: But then at the same time, you can look at it like this: we got a different team, yeah, in the finals, which I don't know how long they haven't been in the finals for, right? But it's a new team that's been in. LeBron sitting out for the first time, mm-hmm. so let's see what these this one team yeah. can do.
0: This reminds me of a Cleveland team pre-LeBron with Miami. You know, remember Miami, down in Miami, he had Dwayne Wade, he had Chris Bosh. Wade was actually a Cavalier earlier this season. But right now, you're looking at this, this reminds you of like 2007, 2008, where LeBron just, you know, he was getting to like the conference finals, conference semis, and just couldn't couldn't seal the deal. He couldn't seal the deal because this Cleveland team lives and dies by the three-pointer. I mean, That's I, their philosophy right now. And Tyron Lue, his Game 3 mindset's got to be much different.
1: With this off, with the next two off days, you have to reevaluate their shooting percentages right. because you can't walk into Cleveland and try your threes again. If they weren't working in Boston, what do you think? I mean, I mean, mean,
0: will definitely play a factor. My thing right now is they're getting out-coached. Brad Stevens, a phenomenal coach. Remember, he coached at Butler for all those years, Butler back-to-back national championship games. But Brad Stevens, he should have been coach of the year, not Dwayne Casey for the Raptors. Is Casey still in the playoffs with Toronto? No. No. This is a whole popularity thing, and it gets me really mad. That Brad Stevens, not even one vote for Coach of the Year. Come on. He's an incredible head coach, and he's young. He's young. He has all this talent, and what he does with a team that's missing two stars, he keeps his players focused on the prize, and like, all right, people are all against us. Let's prove them wrong. Boston's playing with a chip on their shoulder. They're not the favorites to win this series. They might be now, but... They've never lost the series when leading 2-0. They're 37-0 all time. Can Cleveland be that first to break the history? Could or couldn't be? LeBron James is the only reason why Cleveland still has a chance. LeBron James is the only reason why they win Game 7 in Round 1 against the Indiana Pacers.
1: Without him, they wouldn't get out of Round 1.
0: It's incredible what one player can do to a team. Yeah. LeBron James is the only one-player wonder. That can do all this. You know, The first of all, the Kyrie Irving trade for Isaiah Thomas, that was awful. Why did Cleveland do that? I don't know. Dumb. Look, Kevin Love's not the issue right now either. Mm -mm. He had 22 points, 15 boards the other night. He had a double-double. He's been playing well. The only good news for Cleveland, LeBron, I should say. LeBron is the only player in NBA playoff history to score 1,000 points versus one team, that team being the Boston Celtics. And that's only because LeBron James has met the Celtics in the playoffs so many times.
1: Or because he's bounced around the league so many times. And to
0: consistently get your team in the playoffs consistently every year goes to show you how, honestly, LeBron James might as well be named the MVP right now. All due respect to James Harden and Anthony Davis, especially James Harden, but LeBron is the most valuable player I'm not saying he's the best player I think James Harden is probably the best player in the, in the league right now but what Harden excuse me not Harden because James Harden has Chris Paul LeBron yeah. James has Kevin Love and that's it he doesn't have a star point guard Mm-mm. the Cavaliers backcourt right now it's George Hill J.R. Smith Kyle Korver against the young youthful Boston backcourt of Jalen Brown Terry Rozier Marcus Smart Phenomenal defensive play to end game one. The Marcus Smart factor has been huge too, off the bench. You know, a lot of guy off the field issues at Oklahoma State, interacting with fans. You know, kind of a scrooge at times, but man, Marcus Smart has showed up to play. He really has. Yeah, I think the next games
1: at Cleveland, at least the the next game Mm -hmm. when they play the nineteenth. Is either going to show us something or not for that Cleveland team.
0: Well, yeah, because they'll be down 3 0 if they don't win.
1: Yeah. But even during the game, if they're not like the first game, 108 to 83, second game, 107 to 94. Right. It'll it'll
0: show us where this Cleveland team is right now.
1: If they can't crack over 95 and above, it shows where they are. Right. But if they do, then it shows that. They worked on something with the last two days, and they figured out
0: a way. It's LeBron James or bust. And my thing is, could this be LeBron's last hurrah in Cleveland? Is he gone if they get swept by the Celtics? Very possible. It could be. Could he join the Lakers? A team he had on his options earlier. There's been rumors of him traveling around, maybe back to Miami. I don't know. We'll see. Um... But credit to Boston's backcourt. Jalen Brown and Terry Rozier were phenomenal. Led the way for Boston in Game 2, 85% from the line. The whole thing with Al Horford has been phenomenal in this series. Uh, You know, Horford, a clear flagrant foul by J.R. Smith. But it should have been a flagrant, too, I think. Um, You know, they gave Smith the foul, Horford the free throw's Boston, 85% from the lineup. Once J.R. Smith had that dirty shove on Horford going up for the dunk, it was all Al Horford, that third quarter. He was scoring everything in that second half. He was making shots left and right. He was bullying people in the paint. And to have an experienced big like Al Horford, another reason why Boston's up 2-0, because you have a big that's been in the playoffs before with Atlanta. He's experienced, and he's holding the glue together right now for Boston. He's the veteran in that lineup saying, hey, We're playing with a chip on our shoulder. There's no Kyrie. There's no Hayward. There's doubters against us right now. The only person stopping us from making the NBA finals is LeBron James. Yeah. And if Boston is more together as a team, as a cohesive unit, because they've been in unison all year, you look at them and say, hey, you know, they've been consistent all year without Gordon Hayward. They've dealt without Hayward all season long. This is no stranger to them. Not having Irving is tough. But remember, Terry Rozier's first career NBA start, the guy had a triple-double. Yeah, it,
1: it's that that young team is looking up to their older players. Incredible,
0: which is a great sign. The last NBA Finals appearance for the Boston Celtics, two thousand and ten. And like I said, the game three will be Saturday, eight thirty p.m. at Cleveland. Boston thirty-seven and zero all time when leading two zero in the series. The Western Conference Finals. Who will match up with Boston? A lot of people are saying, like one of my co-hosts, Kyle Russo, is saying, if Boston wins, it's bad for the NBA because Golden State's going to sweep them four 0 in the finals, which very much may be true. It may be. But the Golden State Warriors—they got to get past Houston first, the Rockets. Now that series tied one to one. Golden State beat Houston 119-106 in Game One at Houston. But Game Two is what I wa- is really what I want to talk about.
1: Oh, t- holy. I'm looking at the score right now.
0: Yeah. It was a blowout. Yeah. Clear blowout. Um, look, it's it was really rough for Golden State last night. Rockets won 127-105. Look, you compare the guys, game one to game two. Game one, Kevin Durant had 37 points. Clay Thompson, 28, 6 for 15, made six threes. Great game offensively. But Game 2 for Golden State, it was all Kevin Durant. There was no supporting cast. Mm-hmm. Stephen Curry couldn't make a three. He was one of eight behind the three-point line. Clay Thompson had just single-digit points. Pretty sure he only had eight points in Game 2. There was no supporting cast for Kevin Durant.
1: Now, Durant put on a show, but he had nothing to back it. He yeah.
0: had nobody else to back him up. Durant had 38 points, but no support. The Warriors just 30% behind the line in Game 2. Again, a team that... Kind of lives and dies by the three at times. Luckily, they have more than one star, you know? Yeah, which that that's how th- they can keep themselves in this because they got Durant. Right, and which is why a lot of people, you know, you look at previous playoff series in the past, they're very competitive, but now you need at least two stars to win in this league. Yes. Which, with Golden State, you have multiple. You have Steph Curry, Clay Thompson, Kevin Durant, and even you could throw Dr- Draymond Green into the mix. If he's not fouled out. Right. And he's another hothead. Um, but Golden State, I think, is the juggernaut right now, the team to, to beat, despite being the, the two-seed in the West. Look, they were without Steph Curry for quite some time. He missed a bunch of games. Uh, but it was all Houston last night. It yeah. was all Houston. They had a 20-7 to run in the second quarter, and then that 11-0 run in the fourth quarter is what we'll put the icing on the cake with the, with a cherry on top for Houston. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Look, excellent coach game by Coach Mike D'Antoni. All the credit in the world. You know, you're looking at James Harden, 41 points. Chris Paul, 23, 11 rebounds. Chris Paul, he's 6 foot. He's a small guy for the NBA. And yeah. what really was alarming for game one, a guy like P.J. Tucker who didn't really produce, well, he produced in game two. You know, Tucker, 22 points, 5 of 6 behind the arc. Trevor Ariza, 19 points. Harden and Eric Gordon each had 27 points in Game Two. Excuse me, that's a correction. Harden had 41 in Game One when they lost, but had 27 in Game Two, like Eric Gordon. Gordon six and nine behind the three-point line. Eric Gordon's probably sixth man of the year in the in the in the NBA. A guy off the bench that can be that consistent. And contribute that much and score James Harden numbers. It's very against of. a Golden State team. Yeah, you know, you look at Golden State and Steve Kerr, they just they stopped showing up midway through the second quarter. It was all Houston. They stopped playing. Houston was getting all the looks that they wanted. Golden State was sloppy. They were chucking up threes. They were turning it over. And Houston, a must-win game for them in game two. They, they showed up, and why? Because not just of Chris Paul and James Harden, the role players. The role players are really key to any NBA championship team. The P.J. Tuckers, 22 points. Trevor Ariza, 19 points. After game one, people are saying, Mike D'Antoni needs to change his mindset. This is Golden State. This is a championship team. Well, I don't think Golden State has dealt with a championship-level team like the Houston Rockets. This team, not only James Harden, Chris Paul, D'Antoni stuck to the game plan. And they were able to absorb Kevin Durant scoring thirty-eight points and still win the game. You are not going to shut everybody out. No, but Wait. they did it to Steph Curry. Yeah, so if, especially for if you are playing
1: um, Golden State, right? You can't shut uh, Durant. You can't shut Curry out. Thompson. top You can't do that. It that's right. Kind of hard, mm-hmm. but if you got. If you shut one of them down or kind of shut another one down
0: at the same time, it'll help. You got to take away the strengths of a good team like Golden State. And Houston's doing it right now. You know, they're a good defensive team. I really like what they've been doing in this series, especially last night in game two. Now, game three will be Sunday at Golden State. The, sh- the series shifts to California, 8 p.m. start time. And, you know, kind of like Cleveland, Golden State needs to get their game on. At least they're not down 2 nothing. But Houston really saved themselves because if they lost last night, they would have had to have won 4 out of 5 against Golden State. That would have been tough. To make it.
1: Yeah. And, and if they did lose those two games at home, they're going to Golden State,
0: mm-hmm. which could not happen. Yeah. Could not happen. The difference in Game 2. Houston second quarter, outscores Golden State, 38-29. Really started to create some distance. Poor defense by Golden State, poor execution. And Steve Kerr actually had uh, some funny comments after game two. He quoted, the NBA is a small world. It's kind of like a fraternity, and you get to know everybody, some people better than others. And it just seems like in this playoff run, I'm coaching against guys who I know pretty well. So, in regards to Houston. So, look, the Dubs are headed back to the Bay for Game 3 on Sunday, but until then, it's back to the drawing board. What does Golden State have to do to get back on track in Game 3? Is it Curry... Lighting up his threes? Complimenting Durant? I don't know. Is it the bench play? You you look at the guys like Nick Young, Sean Livingston, David West... It could be. Some of those bench guys may need to step
1: up for uh, a little while when they get subbed in for Curry or Durant, while they catch their breath.
0: Yeah. I think overall that Golden State still has the series in their grasp, but with the way Houston didn't just beat them, they mauled them. They won by 22 points. They were almost up by 30 at one time. Up by 30 against Golden State? I'm sorry, but that's unheard of. That's unheard of. No, that's unacceptable. If you're the Warriors, especially if you got Steph Curry you're making defending shots. Defending NBA champions. Come on. My last question is this: Will the NBA allow a Boston Celtics versus Houston Rockets finals? I don't think so. I don't no, think so. Probably not. I think the calls are going to start getting favored in LeBron and Steph Curry you know lebron cry baby let's get back to the finals unfortunately for time.
1: they probably won't have them do that even though it would fans like me that kind of only business move w- watch finals kind of, you know seeing you guys in finals and stuff right um to see golden state and the cavs back it's for me that's another turnoff they've been there so many times against each other
0: i don't want to see it again that it's like give me one new team I'd like Boston-Houston in the finals. Yeah. I really would. Two new teams. I just don't know if the NBA will will let it happen. Well, that's what we have to find, see and wait. Yes, yeah. if if it doesn't... The Rockets, right. in order for them to win this series, they need to maintain this elevated pace. They need to beat Golden State at their own game. Golden State looks to beat you fast break transition, get open threes down the floor difference was that Houston played their own game in game two they focused on what they're supposed to you know it's tough they didn't see the results in game one huge transition in game two Um, Eric Gordon those 27 points off the bench was huge Um, look I've got Golden State and Boston Mm -hmm. advancing I don't think Cleveland has enough
1: I don't think they have enough in the tank
0: yeah they don't have enough firepower left in the gas tank And I think the Warriors are just on a different level from Houston. Houston, a championship effort in game two. But I think game three, the series is going back to Golden State. Look, the next three of five games in the series are at Golden State. And I think Golden State is going to win at least two of those. Yeah. So It's going to be tough. Yeah. I'd love to see a seven-game series, by the way. Love to see seven games. James Harden, Kevin Durant, former teammates going at it. All right, that's enough on basketball. We are going to step aside for our final break of the evening. When we come back, we're going to talk some hard knocks. NFL football, hot steed. You're listening to Review and Preview here on WCWPSports.org. All right. Welcome back to Review and Preview, folks. I'm Tom Scavetta. Join alongside James Montefusco to my left john washerman to my right as john that's the that's the last break you're gonna be playing for another month it's crazy you know getting uh getting towards that summer weather you know we're just uh about a month away looking forward to it yeah james thanks for uh coming on the show tonight we've enjoyed having you so far and this last segment now you and i know this absolutely second time on the show as our guest Let's talk some NFL, NFL hot seat, as the NFL currently not in season right now, we're post-NFL draft at this point, rookie mini camps underway, and uh, breaking news actually, the winless Cleveland Browns from last season will be featured on Hard Knocks, (laughs) that will premiere Tuesday, August 7th on HBO at 10 p.m. Eastern Daylight Time. Now, I've got to get your thoughts on this. Now, the Hard Knocks are notorious for covering teams that have not had much success on the field, but the Cleveland Browns—they haven't had any success. No, you know they've won one game in the last two. seasons. it's just—it's incredible. The thirteenth edition of the sixteen-time Sports Emmy featuring the Cleveland Browns. So, we'll see. Hard Knocks returns, and the storyline behind it, 91 football players determined to fulfill their NFL dreams, yet only 53 will succeed. Hmm. So the storylines in Cleveland are very compelling, which make the Browns an ideal partner on Hard Knocks. Remember, you talk about watching that movie Draft Day back in 2014. That's a fun movie to watch. Uh, Great moves for Cleveland in that draft, but that was a movie. That was not real life. (laughs) But Cleveland had a good draft this year, I thought taking Baker number one and then Denzel Ward at number four filling a need I think they took Ward one pick too early but I don't know
1: I think it'll be interesting to see them on this uh, Hard Knocks um, show that because it really puts them in the limelight would you say yeah to everybody that's known the Cleveland Browns as an easy W um, or a win, yep. not a, not technically easy, depending on what team's playing them. Right. Um, but I feel like it maybe will spark something with all these young guys. You know, their new quarterback. Yeah. Some 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 type of spark that they may get, and who knows, maybe we'll win one to two games.
0: Do you think Baker Mayfield starts Week One this year? I think he's got a shot. I think so. I think he. I mean, he's playing against Tyrod Taylor, so I mean. I don't know either one of them. I mean, I yeah. think
1: it really comes down to how they produce in the uh, training camps. Yep, and uh, preseason. Yeah, because if say if Taylor doesn't produce, it's Mayfield's job. I feel like.
0: I remember, Mayfield actually started his college football career at Texas Tech back in 2013. So he's a five-year player. Mm-hmm. Um, then he got redshirted. 2014 when he transferred to Oklahoma and then he started all but one game in his three years with the Sooners. Incredible stats. 2015, 36 touchdowns. 2016 had 40 and then 2017 topped that with 41 just compared to just five interceptions his redshirt senior year. He knows how to play. And not only that, he can run on the ground too. He had five rushing touchdowns his senior year hmm. and he is a dual threat for Cleveland. And I don't necessarily think having Tyrod Taylor groom him, a guy who started a playoff game last year, is necessarily a bad thing. I really don't think so. And I think Baker Mayfield can have a lot of success in this league. I think he's one of the more ready NFL quarterbacks, especially having played five years of football. And in two different schools. Right. Two big-name schools in the Big 12. So we'll see. Uh, Wishing Atlanta Falcons quarterback Matt Ryan a very happy birthday. Matt Ryan now won a, still in in the prime of his career but remember Matt Ryan drafted back in 2008 turns 33 today still playing though still playing Falcons should have won that Super Bowl last year they should have won it yeah well you know very unfortunate speaking of quarterbacks and Super Bowls two-time Super Bowl MVP Eli Manning the memorabilia fraud lawsuit has finally been settled yes look Manning Manning's an honest guy. He's a stand-up guy. Almost everybody looks up to him as a role model. I don't think anybody in the league can any say say anything bad about the guy. This whole thing was bogus right from the start.
1: Yeah, you, to hear Eli Manning do that, I'm putting it in air yeah. quotes. Um, it, it's not him from a fan standpoint, and just I don't see himself caring. He's a professional. He is, yeah. and he he won uh, an award not too long ago. Walter Payton man yeah. of the year. Yeah. So I feel like, you know, how do you win the Walter Payton
0: and then do this? Right. It, it's not him. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, Manning and the Giants, they denied the allegations. All parties have reached an agreement. So Eli, at 37 years of age, finally gets this settled. Uh, so Eli Manning and the Giants can now focus on football and the off season. Getting ready for week one against Jacksonville in just about four months. A little less than four months at this point, actually. Um, All right. So, speaking of the Giants, Eric Flowers returns to the team, finally. What a nutcase, man. You know know what? Why? Just why? Yeah, why? Because Chad Wheeler should start at right tackle opening weekend. Yeah. I want Chad Wheeler over. That's who I'm pulling for, undrafted rookie. Wheeler actually beat the Giants' sixth round draft pick last season for the final roster spot on the team. Sixth round pick, Adam Bisnowati, Another Jerry Reese draft pick. We know how those went. Bisnawadi was waived, and he was claimed by the D- Detroit Lions just a day or two later. So, farewell, Adam Bisnowati. <laughs> <laughs> Another former Giant that got signed, Jay Bromley signed with the New Orleans Saints. Yep. Syracuse defensive tackle who filled the void for quite some time as the number three DT on the depth chart, but he's been no more. Um, Speaking of guys returning, look, Flowers not wanting to show up due to the signing of Nate Solder, and Pat Sherman not very happy with Landon Collins' comments on that, giving the reason as to why Flowers was not in New Jersey he's training so but at the same time Flowers just needs to grow up needs some space from the team but still you're a professional yeah you gotta he gotta show up I'm sorry
1: he's been in the news for nothing good as me and Tom have both seen as being both Giants fans obviously we've seen him just have people run right past him yeah At least show up to that first practice and say, listen, I may be fighting for a spot, but at the same time, I'm here.
0: Never does. Can't stand Flowers. Hope he's off the team next season. Don't give him a contract extension. Let him walk after next season. Don't even start him this year. Maybe he gets traded. Maybe he gets cut. I hope. Maybe he he doesn't make the 53-man roster. That would be very nice. I wouldn't have a problem with that. Um, Now... Speaking of players not showing up, there have been a lot of players who have been thrilled to be New York Giants. You know, a lot of players who would love to be in a big blue uniform. If Flowers right. doesn't want that, then just walk away because there are plenty of players that want to be in a uniform, like the Giants first round pick, Saquon Barkley. Oh, yeah. With Giants selected at number two overall, uh, great for him. He'll be leading the pack at running back, getting experience from a veteran like Jonathan Stewart coming mm-hmm. over from Carolina in free agency. Don't forget the Giants picked Wayne Gallman last year. There's no more Paul Perkins, no more Orleans Darkwa. So they're kind of... The Giants are clearing in the way a little bit for Barkley. Which is good. Something that they needed to do. But Saquon Barkley drafted from Penn State. And last week on the show, I talked about a lot of undrafted rookies. Mm-hmm. And one of the Giants needs is a slot cornerback, And one of the undrafted rookies that the Giants got was Grant Haley out of Penn State. Teammates against Saquon Barkley. The two were roommates Hmm. in college. And the two of them, the first day of rookie minicamp, Mm -hmm. they were there at 6.30 in the morning. Hours before they were supposed to be there. Just shows the commitment and dedication to the Giants and to the National Football League. It shows they want to win. And according to uh, reports, the only reason why Grant Haley wasn't drafted is because he's 5'9". Undersized guy for football purposes and his size really kept him from being drafted. I think he could have went like sixth round, seventh round, but he wasn't picked. He's got loads of talent, great technique, very successful for Penn State, and I hope he makes the team. I have a feeling
1: he will. I mean, if he's showing up at 630, the day of rookie camp or whatever it is, right? it just it leaves a mental note in anybody's head on that facility or already on that
0: team. Right. As long as he's effective on the field, you know, yeah. he's really a name to watch. I think he's one of the few undrafted rookies that can make the Giants final fifty three man roster. Um I also think Nick Gates, a guard they signed, um, is definitely a guy to look out for as well that can make that final roster. Offensive lineman, um he's been very effective so far and the Giants have had an incredible offseason. According to Gil Brandt, the Giants have had the best offseason out of any team in the National Football League. Yeah. They really have. The four guys that they've added to this roster, they went out, they got Nate Solder, Patrick and free agency, two offensive linemen, and then drafted Will Hernandez. That's three offensive linemen they've added that they didn't have last season. Yeah, so th- this offensive line could be very good. And the only offensive lineman that will be starting from last season probably is Brett Jones at center. They let Richburg walk. Pugh walked. John Jerry's probably not going to make the final roster. No, I don't think so. And with Wheeler potentially starting at right tackle, I don't think Flowers is starting. I don't think so. I don't think he deserves it. I don't think he's effective. They could put him on the practice squad and be like, if we need you, we'll call you. Only thing is, you don't want Flowers to turn into like what Matt Harvey did for the Mets. Not want to play on the practice squad. Yeah. Cut him. Part ways. New, he needs a new uh, background, a new environment, yeah. fresh start, Eric Flowers needs because it's not working with the Giants. No. Not mature enough. I understand he's 24 years old, but at that time, you've been in the National Football League for three full seasons now. Come on. Know your ways. Grow up. I mean, you got Manning as
1: a quarterback. That's why you got benched the last game. Yeah. You got enough people on that team that's veteran guys that might help you if you needed to.
0: But if he didn't want to reach out to any of them, his loss, and uh, see you later. The X factor for the Giants this season is the offensive line. And the depth chart right now, with the way it looks, Solder, Hernandez, Brett Jones, Pat Omana, and either Chad Wheeler or Eric Flowers at right tackle. And I hope it's Chad Wheeler, um, not Flowers. And then the weapons that you have offensively, Saquon Barkley, Evan Ingram, Odell Beckham Jr., Sterling Shepard. It's a lot of weapons. It is. I still think they could use another veteran wideout. They need one more. Hopefully not Des Bryant. No, but... You never know. Maybe a Victor Cruz comes back. He's talked about trying to make he has. He uh, a return. Uh, see if that'll grab the Giants' attention. But another thing the Giants have done this off season, James, they've launched a new mobile-first website. So I, I actually looked it up today. I found that quite interesting. Mm-hmm. So you can go on your phone Giants.com and mobile first. So have at it. If um, you're more into technology, not used to using the traditional computer, you can type it online. <laughs> Good for you, I guess, huh? Yeah. <laughs> So other news, moving on from the Giants, the Jets and Sam Darnold. Darnold's being compared to Tony Romo by Jason Witten. Don't know why. The guy's never taken a snap in the league. But look, Witten's a new broadcaster (laughs) for ESPN, so I I wouldn't doubt it if Darnold does. Um, I don't think he'll make a a case to start opening weekend, but I think he'll start at some point this upcoming season. I think so, too. And we talked about this, how he fell into the hands of the Jets because the Giants passed on him, took Saquon Barkley. I don't think it was a mistake by the Giants at all. They still drafted a quarterback later in the draft who may produce as much at some point as a guy like Darnold and Kyle Lalletta yeah. from the University of Richmond, who was the MVP of the Senior Bowl. He could be a sleeper. Who knows, and he'll compete with Davis Webb for the backup job. Speaking of quarterbacks, hear what Dak Prescott said? No, I did not. What do you say? Cowboys quarterback Dak Prescott sets goal to be the best Cowboys quarterback ever. Really? The amount of quarterbacks, and Dak Prescott is an average NFL quarterback at best, if you ask me. He's got nothing now. No Jason Witten, no Des Bryant. Your best two targets offensively are Ezekiel Elliott and and Cole Beasley. Yeah, and that's it. Look at the legendary Dallas quarterbacks. You have Tony Romo, Troy Aikman. Roger Staubach, Drew Bledsoe—the list goes on and on and on.
1: Have uh, I wonder? I want to hear what Troy Aikman had to say about that.
0: Yeah, Dak really needs, man. He needs to put his head where his mouth is right now because right now he doesn't seem to be with it. Uh, That's not a good comment to make for a guy who's only been in the league for two seasons. I mean, I look at it from a Giants fan standpoint. Let them talk all they want. Yeah, we'll beat them twice a year. Our last minute of the show here, let's talk about giant superfan Joe Ruback. He used to have a football jersey since 2001. It was an Eagles jersey. I'm sure you've seen this on social media before. It had the number zero.
1: Oh, yes, it had. And it
0: was labeled Super Bowls on his back. Zero Super Bowls for the Philadelphia Eagles. And the Eagles, they won the Super Bowl this year. So what does Joe do? Selling the jersey to a longtime <laughs> uh Eagles fan. The two don't really get along, but they're doing it for a good cause, a charitable cause. Uh the Tom Coughlin J Fund. Hmm. So props to Joe Ruback. Uh you know, I i love his posts on social media. He's always I don't know if you follow him, but he's always at every Giants game. Big super fan. But um you know hopefully the Giants are back on track this season, I must say.
1: I hope so too. They to. The last season
0: I don't want to watch. I'm pretty sure you don't want to watch. No. 3-13, and 13, not fun. This season with the new offensive line. Yeah. We'll see what the future unfolds for the Giants and for the rest of sports. And for this week, on behalf of James Montefusco, thank you for joining us. Thank you, Tom. Jay Wash, John Wassman, pleasure to have you as always.
1: Always a pleasure.
0: On that note, I'm Tom Scavetta. You've been listening to Review and Preview here on Sports.org. Good night.